Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. And yes, today we are, among other things, uh, working hand-in-hand with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. This is uh, honestly one of the best things that, that we can take part in because... There are plenty of families out there who have been uh, rocked by by cancer, particularly childhood cancer. And if you can, becoming a partner in hope is one of the best ways that you can support families. There are families in and around Acadiana. You may not know that they're out there, but there are some out there who... uh, have that their lives have been touched by the fantastic work that St. Jude does. You know, last year I started this show, uh, the uh, January 10th last year. And, uh, within weeks of the show starting had, uh, my first radiothon here, uh, here at Capel. And I, I told this story last year, but it's, it's a story that bears repeating because I don't think enough people understand just how, uh, just how important the work St. Jude does can be. Several years ago, I mean, this, this is not my first stint in radio. Several years ago, I was working in another radio station in my hometown in Natchitoches, and the, the group of stations in that building wanted to get together and, and do a radiothon. And part of that was St. Jude... Uh, host tours for for folks in radio to tour the St. Jude campus, see what it is they do, uh, meet the folks there. And the trip was amazing and it was emotional. It was sad, but not in a like, and not in a tragic way, but it was sad that you see what families are going through, but it offers also this in this intense amount of hope. It's amazing the work that St. Jude does. And as you tour the campus there, you see the the wonderfully kind folks that work there. And you inevitably meet some of the families and, and the, the kids who were there. And you meet the doctors who are not only uh, performing miracles with these kids, but they are doing day in and day out research to battle in the long term many of these childhood cancers. And I cannot begin to describe to you what what your heart will feel if you experience that in person, experience the work that they do in person. It's just very, very hard to describe. But there are so many families out there that can continue on in joy because of the work that St. Jude does. And there are many families who have lost loved ones due to cancer, lost children due to childhood cancer. But at the same time, St. Jude has done so much for them as well. And now it's your opportunity to be part of that miracle that is St. Jude Children's Research 
hospital. So here's what you need to do. Call 1-800-372-4999. Alternatively, text LIVE to the number 626262. That's L-I-V-E to the number 626262 and just tap on the link that you get sent back. And for $19 a month, you become a partner in hope with St. Jude. You make it possible for St. Jude to care for some of the world's sickest kids. You can support their families. This $19 a month helps provide treatment, travel, housing, food, everything for these families who are having to travel to St. Jude for this treatment. It is a wonderful, wonderful cause. And I I hope that you guys will join me in becoming a partner in hope with St. Jude. There is, I am telling you, there is no greater joy than than helping out such a worthwhile cause, a, a, a an actual miracle that is St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So please call that number, 1-800-372-4999, or text LIVE, L-I-V-E, to 626262. Y'all, please, this is just one of the best ways that you can become a, a partner in hope and really help change a life change a family's life. All right, let's go. I'm going to take this break early because when I come back, I want to get into the news of the day, but I wanted to start off with that because that to me is, is probably one of the most important things that we can do here today. But let's go ahead and take this break. When we come back, the news of the day, let's start, let's start with Joe Biden and his administration. They actually want us to go back to remote work and remote school. I'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Once again, uh, just to remind you, and of course, we'll remind you throughout the show today, uh, join us in becoming a partner in hope with St. Jude today. Uh, all you need to do, call 1-800-372-4999 or text LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the number 626262 and tap the link to the uh, that they that you will get back in that text message. This is uh, such an important thing that you can do take part in and really hope that you will join me and all of us here at KPL and Town Square Media uh, in order to do that. Now, Joe Biden, his administration is quietly pushing out this policy proposal that what they really want to do is they want to get to that they they still want that net zero emissions. And so they're they're focusing on something that should be familiar to most of us now, they really, really want us to go back to working remotely. If there's one good thing the pandemic did, it was getting more people to work remotely. Our carbon emissions went so far down because nobody was out there driving. The economy was shut down. Places were closed. And they want to get back to that. They want to do that again. They think in the long run, that's what's going, that, that will be what saves the planet, obviously. Um, and no, this isn't just me making up. The, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency has pushed this idea out in, in policy papers. Uh, the Washington Free Beacon uh, reporting on it today. The COVID-19 pandemic wasn't all bad. A new Biden administration plan to fight climate change argues 
It at least highlighted major opportunities to reduce travel demand and lower carbon emissions through, quote, remote work and virtual interactions. The plan, which President Joe Biden's Environmental Protection Agency and Energy, Transportation and Housing Departments released in January, aims to eliminate all greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation sector by 2050, mostly through a transition to electric vehicles. Also included in the plan, however, is a controversial call to reduce commuting miles through, quote, an increase in remote work and virtual engagements, including in education. So there's obviously two parts we need to talk about here. The first part is, of course, this remote work. Um, so there have been multiple studies that have come out and show that actually people were more productive working remotely than not. Part of the problem, though, is that one of those studies really kind of honed in on the issue. If you were motivated to work at the office, you were motivated to work at home. If you were not motivated to work in the office, you weren't going to work from home. So in some case, it was it was kind of a wash. But they did notice uh, that people who were productive at work were more productive working from home. So it, it, it did help a little bit. But there's an issue. You can't eliminate commuter miles because not every business, not every company works if everybody's working from home. Take, for example, restaurants. Take, for example, grocery stores. Uh, people who have uh, basic needs like food and water can't just wait at home and it magically appear on their doorstep. They actually have to go out and get it. Uh, you know, They can order ahead and pick it up, but somebody's still got to collect those groceries. Somebody would still have to be there in the store to collect those groceries and walk it out to your car. If you've ever used like Walmart's pickup or anything like that, you know that's how it works. Somebody inside is getting your groceries per your order and they are bringing it out to your car. It's not like there's an automated system like, a uh, you know, somebody can, some robot collects it all, puts it on a drone and, and the drone flies to your house. It's not going to work that way. It won't work that way for quite a long time. So there are certain parts of the economic sector that can't go virtual. So you can't get to zero emissions that way. The other problem is, what if they really start pushing for zero commuter. You get rid of grocery stores or, or grocery stores don't have enough workers to work there. Restaurants don't have enough workers to stay open. We saw this during the pandemic. A lot of restaurants closed. A lot had to move. A lot had to change hours. It did cause a lot of economic disruption, this push to closing things down. Now, I'm, I'm not saying the government is going to force us to work remotely. That's not something they, they don't have the constitutional authority to do that. They would like to, and they might try to push something like it, but they don't have the power to. But they are encouraging something that is impossible in several sectors of the economy. The other issue here, of course, is this call for more remote work and virtual engagements in education, which we now have enough data to show that is a terrible idea. Even if you have teachers that are properly trained in what's called flipped classrooms to where kids can do the basic reading and instructional work at home and then they get to school and they practice that work as opposed to learning at school and practicing the work at home. If kids are capable of learning at home, that's one thing. But the engagement with virtual school was extremely low and kids cannot learn solely through a computer screen. So it affects 
that intellectual growth. But there's also the social element, and this is both for education and the workplace. Human beings are naturally social creatures. Even those of us that call ourselves introverts, we have to have some sort of human contact. We can't just stay isolated forever. We literally lose our minds that way. There is a reason prison reform advocates hate, absolutely hate, solitary confinement. Because social isolationism will drive you literally crazy. Humans cannot be socially stranded for too long. And going to all remote work or even a hybrid model where you're not getting that social interaction day in and day out can have serious social effects. One of the negative social effects that we saw during the pandemic was increased rates of mental illness and depression and suicide. Because not not because you know the 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 econ- I mean the yeah the economic and the pandemic situation was so bad that was some of it. But people were just isolated. People were more isolated than they ever had been before. And because they were isolated, because they didn't have regular social interaction, they lost themselves. And we lost them. So humans can't just up and go to remote workspaces. They can't even go hybrid too deep into a hybrid model of work or school because you still have that drastic decrease in social connection. Sure, productivity may be the same. Even You might even be able to train kids to be able to work remotely or on a hybrid model and be able to get their work and retain the information and maybe scores won't dip so much the next time. But the fact of the matter is we are social creatures and we need that social interaction day in and day out. Otherwise, the consequences are absolutely drastic. It's the reason bullying is such a problem. Bullying is the act of isolating somebody, picking them out, picking on them, shunning them, making fun of them, psychologically torturing them. It's all about isolation. Every major problem that you can experience with your mental health deals in some way with isolation. In some way. Isolation may not be the cause, but it does not help. And thinking that we can save the planet by going to all or mostly virtual work or a hybrid model and doing the same for education That doesn't help anyone socially, emotionally, intellectually, etc. But that doesn't matter as much to the environmentalist left. All they want is to cut emissions. The quality of your life be damned. All right, 232-1542, let's take this break. When we come back, we'll have more. Ilhan Omar removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House. There's a lot of outrage over that. Let's talk about it when we come back right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, or send a message through the KPL app chat. If you want to, by the way, 
Become a partner in Hope with St. Jude. I highly recommend you do it. Just call 1-800-372-4999 or text LIVE to the number 626262, L-I-V-E to 626262. Just tap on the link that you get back in that text message. And for $19 a month, you can be a partner in Hope. That can provide a meal card to a family that is at St. Jude, that money goes to supporting the families who are there, whose children are getting treatment there. It is such such a worthy cause to join. Ilhan Omar, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, has been removed from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And that has happened for two reasons. One, she has unrepentantly made anti-Semitic remarks. She has said statements that are straight up blood libel at times against the, against Israel and against Jews. And she has not repented for any of it. Uh, House Republicans at one point finally got House Democrats to push through a resolution condemning anti-Semitism because largely what she and some, what she, Rashida Tlaib and others had said and instead, Omar, because she did not want to be personally called out by this and delay because she didn't want to be personally called out by this, uh, the Democrats watered it down so much to condemn all hate speech that it really meant nothing. And, and, and Omar has really just been, she, she's been horrible. On the issue, she she regularly makes statements. She and Rashida Tlaib both, but but Omar has made some really just egregious statements, and so she's been stripped of the of a seat on the House Foreign Affairs Committee because Foreign Affairs includes dealing with our strongest ally in the Middle East, Israel, and that just wouldn't do. Democrats are crying foul. Democrats are saying it's racist, it's Islamophobic, it is white supremacy. Corey Bush is on the floor saying all that uh, in Congress right now. There's a problem. Marjorie Taylor Greene was stripped of her committee assignments for the same thing when the Democrats were in control of Congress. She made wildly anti-Semitic remarks, including saying the Jews had a space laser that controlled the weather. If they do, please aim it here and either bring snow or sunshine. I am tired of the rain. If there are any Jews listening and it's your turn on the laser soon, please. I'm, I'm begging you. We, I need some sort of change. Anyway, Marjorie Taylor Greene had uh, shared some wildly, wildly anti-Semitic QAnon tropes. And she was removed from committee. Ilhan Omar has made some some straight up anti-Semitic remarks and received no punishment for it from the Democrats because they... They, uh, they, they were not going to uh, chastise one of their own. And to be fair, the stripping of Ilhan Omar from this committee is a tit-for-tat with the Marjorie Taylor Greene situation. It absolutely is. But the Democrats set the rules here. Again, I've said it before and I will continue saying it. If the Democrats want there to be fairness... If the Democrats want the Republicans to not do the things that they are doing, the Democrats need to really not do it first. Do not, 
under any circumstances. This is your rule of politics for the day. I've said it before, but it bears repeating, especially today. Do not assume a power for yourself that you do not want your political opponents to have. Do not do something that your opponents will turn around and do to you. If you don't want it done, you don't do it first. It's kind of a a take on the golden rule. If you will treat others as you want to be treated. And the Democrats seem to have forgotten this. Or they really don't care and they're just going to turn around and do the same thing next time. Maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene will be stripped of another committee. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, this is a tit for tat. I will not deny that. But Ilhan Omar has made anti-Semitic statements and she is now being punished for it. In a way that if her own party had done it back when they were in charge, this wouldn't be an issue right now. But now it is an issue because it's Republicans doing it, and the Democrats are crying foul, despite the fact they did turn around and did the same thing to a Republican just a couple years prior. There is precedent. Precedent exists. Precedent being a term that means stuff that came before that we base all our actions on now. And the Democrats are now facing the results of their precedent, the precedent they set. You strip somebody of a committee because of what they've said, because of what they've done, and somebody turns around and does something to a member of your own caucus for the same reason, turn about fair play. You set the precedent. Same thing happened with judicial nominations in the Senate. Harry Reid pulled the nuclear option on judicial nominees. Mitch McConnell finished the job with SCOTUS nominees, Supreme Court nominees. If you start it, but you can't finish it, that's on you. Turn about fair play. That's what's happening here. It's not some racist, Islamophobic thing. It is get being done to you what you did unto others. That's it. It's not this big conspiracy. It's not this big racist thing. It's not this big controversial thing. I mean, should we be doing a tit-for-tat with committee assignments? Probably not. The fact of the matter is, Kevin McCarthy had to whip the votes to make it happen. There were several Republicans that were very uneasy about this. But Kevin McCarthy made some compromises and got got the votes to strip her of committee. Now, here's the thing. She got stripped of committee by a full vote of the House. You didn't have to do that with Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff. Those are select committees. Those, the Speaker can summarily make those decisions. But these other committees, the committees that, uh, that aren't select committees, the full House has to vote on it if, if you want to remove somebody from there, from one of those committees. That's what happened. It had to go before a full vote of the House. And... The Republicans had the votes. It was along largely partisan lines. So anyway, that's the Ilhan Omar situation. What I want to do now is I want to take this break. And when we come back, I want to talk about chickens. That's right, chickens. But in the meantime, join me in becoming a partner in hope with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. All you got to do is text LIVE, L-I-V-E, to 626262. 
Do that. Become a partner in hope today. We'll take this break and be right back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, chickens. Chickens. I've I've started seeing on social media a lot of people talking about the chickens. And even Tucker Carlson a couple days ago had a had a bit on uh, his show, a segment on what's going on with the chickens. We noticed that some farmers who deal with chickens every day are not convinced. Some of them, some chicken farmers have noticed something odd. Their chickens aren't laying eggs or as many eggs. And these chickens don't appear sick with avian flu. They're not dying. They're still alive. They're just not producing eggs. So... If you go on social media and you, you type in chickens, eggs, you know, chickens not laying eggs, whatever, you search for it, you'll find a lot of people talking about the fact that their chickens aren't laying eggs. And, and it's leading to some theories online that there's something about the feed. One of the most wild conspiracy theories is that, well, the big corporations, because they are losing so many egg laying chickens to avian flu, what they've done is they've all kind of worked together and they've spiked commercial chicken feed. So that home, chickens at home won't lay eggs. That way there's no, uh, it, it won't hurt their business in the long run. If people start buying chickens for the house or whatever, there's a problem. This is normal behavior for chickens. It's winter time, and we've actually had a fairly cold winter in several parts of the United States. There have been winter storms that have rolled through. I mean, Dallas, Texas was frozen, and so was part of North Louisiana. Uh What's happening this year is, or what's happening right now, is that chickens, egg-laying hens, are molting. They are losing their feathers. Their bodies are basically kind of going into a more of a dormant state. They are conserving their energy. And at this time of year, when they notice that there is less light out there, it just triggers something instinctively. Because chickens, biologically, their ovaries do not send eggs. Their, Their ovaries do not release eggs. Because historically, biologically, chicks really don't survive winters. Now, with advancements in farming techniques now, there are ways to create the lighting to trick the chickens basically into thinking that there are longer days. It's not really winter. Uh, And so they continue laying eggs. But chickens, the the egg laying process is so physically draining that chickens really do need to go into a more of a dormant state and they don't release eggs as much. They don't lay eggs as much, if at all. And it is le- it's, it's led to this conspiracy theory, but at the same time, when you look at it, when you know what chickens kind of do habitually through the calendar year, I mean, there's plenty of sources online that explain this and have explained this long before there was any problem now. You understand that chickens are molting. And chickens in the winter do not lay as many eggs. But it's now kind of turned into another conspiracy theory online. And I don't think Tucker Carlson is necessarily pushing a conspiracy theory here, but he is tying a lot of strange incidents together. Fires at, at food processing plants, uh, the avian flu epidemic that is wiping out a ton of egg laying chickens at commercial farms. All of this is very weird. But at the end of the day, this whole chickens not laying eggs thing is part of the natural biology of hen laying chickens. Uh, I'm sorry, of, of egg laying hens. So anyway, that's the explanation for that. I have I have the explanation up at kpl965.com if you want to go read it, but that's just kind of the breakdown of it very quickly. 
I'm going to take a 23-hour break, be back to wrap up the week tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Be sure to call 1-800-372-4999 or text LIVE, L-I-V-E, to 626262 to become a partner in hope with St. Jude today. Join me in that, a very worthwhile cause. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.